Good morning. This morning with our reflection, we'll go on in the series of the factors of awakening. Yesterday we reflected on tranquility. When the body, heart, and mind are tranquil, the mind is then prepared for a deepening concentration. And at this point, the mind, the heart, is very strong. Calm, quiet, is for this purpose, we could say, and is most is the most immediate cause for concentration to arise. In the Buddha's words, if concentration is developed, what profit does it bring? And he goes on and says, the mind is developed. If the mind is developed, what profit does it bring? And he says, all lust is abandoned. So this morning, we'll explore the force, so to say, of the unperturbed, peaceful, and lucid state of mind attained by the practice and the development of strong mental concentration. Which begins by gathering together the potential energy of the mind that is ordinarily quite dispersed. The initial act of concentration is that of reigning in the mind from all of its myriad distractions and then learning how to focus it by coming back again and again to the simple present so that our mental and physical energy isn't being used up or usurped in unconscious and unskillful ways. The power of a clear, relaxed, and focused mind repeatedly stimulates itself, re-stimulating the energy and the effort needed for the next moment of continuing the process of its own development. Consequently, a concentrated mind feeds itself by strengthening its ability to stay present with the object of attention and not attach itself to other things. It's just where it is, pure, clear, and calm, which can be quite an energizing, refreshing, and beautiful experience. And there needs to be a willingness to not be seduced by thought. Even thoughts that might seem really important in the moment. This willingness is rooted in the wholesome intention to stay present with the chosen object of attention, along with clearly knowing when the attention gets muddled or is lost in something other than what is intended. And this is really the first 
most important and often difficult step of developing concentration. The development of a wholesome concentration requires of us that we have insight to some depth and a growing interest and understanding regarding the difference between wholesome and unwholesome states of mind. Unrecognized unwholesome habits of mind, such as greed, clinging, aversion, sleepiness, agitation, doubt, these all hinder the development of concentration if we're caught in them, unaware. Consequently, a growing understanding of the difference, as I already said, between wholesome and unwholesome states of mind is essential for the development and the blossoming of concentration and its attendant wholesome states. And one of the most wonderful and amazing fruits that inevitably occurs through the process of developing concentration is that the mind and heart are continually being purified from the various permutations of greed, aversion, aversion, lethargy, restlessness, and doubt. Classically, the development of concentration is described as the purification of the mind. As the Buddha said, the mind is developed. Samatha, or concentration, has the effect of weakening all of the unwholesome states of mind. When joy, calm, tranquility, happiness, peace, and growing degrees of equanimity, all these fruits of concentration practice, when these clearly begin to manifest, unwholesome states of mind are weakened. And if one's concentration develops and deepens to the level of jhana concentration, wholesome states of mind are, all of them are temporarily eliminated. And please note this word, temporarily. So just briefly, the nature of concentration is threefold, meaning there are three types or levels of concentration that can develop and serve our insight practice. The first of these is what's called momentary concentration, kanaka samadhi. This is the development and growing maturation of one's ability to focus on one object after another. The development of our capacity to clearly connect with one object, then another object, then another object, one by one, and ongoing moment by moment. The cultivation of our capacity for momentary concentration is essential for insight practice. The second type or level of concentration is called access concentration. And this is a very deep and powerful concentration that occurs just before one moves into the absorption of jhana concentration. Access concentration can be used for insight practice. Access concentration is often experienced as 
similar to the intensity and the depth of jhana concentration, but it's not, it's not an absorbed concentration. It doesn't stay focused on one subject at the, at the exclusion of other objects, as does jhana. With access concentration, the mind is malleable. It's able to move from object to object to object, even though it contains close to the same intensity of deeply absorbed jhana states. So from this perspective, access concentration can be very helpful and very useful in the unfolding of insight practice. The third type or level of concentration is jhana concentration. And this is a concentrated mind that completely absorbs into one object at the exclusion of all other objects. When the mind is absorbed in this way, it's not possible for the mind to do anything else at that time. With the attainment of jhanas, the mind is temporarily, that word temporarily again, temporarily, totally purified of specific unwholesome mind states in relationship to each of the jhanas. Though these unwholesome mind states are not totally purified and finally eliminated with jhana concentration. It's only through vipassana, only through insight practice, that unwholesome or afflictive states of mind are totally eliminated. the development of concentration will quite naturally take place in our vipassana practice, particularly momentary concentration, especially when we begin to meet all of the various body-mind phenomena with less and less clinging, attachment, and identification, but rather with an interested, investigative, attitude. As concentration develops, we slowly gain the wisdom and the confidence to allow ourselves to wholeheartedly meet experience with no self, no me, no I am, while at the same time being clearly present and mindfully aware of what is taking place. But with no pondering, no commentary, no thinking about what's occurring, and not making something out of the experience. But rather receiving, sensing, seeing, and knowing experience just as it is. In closing our reflection this morning, I'd like to say that it's essential that you hold your practice in the light of honesty, humility, patience, and a diligent, open-hearted interest. And hold yourself within your practice, 
with deep kindness and patience. These wholesome and beautiful human qualities will, without a doubt, serve the blossoming of every aspect and every phase of your practice. And, without a doubt, are some of the basic roots and forces of purity that the fruits of practice stem from. Although I don't usually uh, do uh, reflections three days in a row, I will do offer the last, the seventh of the factors of awakening in reflection tomorrow morning so that uh, I can offer them with all of us. If I wait till next week, we all won't be here together. There'll be some people not here. So I'd like to finish this series with us uh, tomorrow morning. 